Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. NBA, it's in full swing. And I don't know, tick, 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 college basketball, March Madness, it's about to tip off any second. So when that tournament begins, you're going to want to head to BetOnline.ag for that $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest as BetOnline is the spot for all your bracketology needs. They got news, scores, odds. It's everything that you possibly could want, and it's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website right now, BetOnline.ag. Use your mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming into the pod Want to bring back a, a guest that I had on a little while ago. Loved having him on. Want to bring him back. He's the host of Believe in Bulls. His name is Nick Schultz. Nick, welcome to the pod. How are you today? Joey, great to be back with you, man. It's been a lot of fun. It's a hoop season right now, my friend. So I wanted to bring you back. And look, I was so excited to have you on the Chicago Bulls. The last couple of games, they were rocking and rolling. New starting lineup, new format. Went into a back-to-back last night against the San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs. And then, Nick, what happened? I think you saw the flaws of this Bulls team get exposed. I mean, I went on, I recorded my episode yesterday for Believe in Bulls right before the game. I'm like, okay, I don't know what the Bulls are going to do at the trade deadline. I keep preaching they're a playoff team, but the more I watch them, the more I'm like, I don't know. And I had my buddy Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago on last week. He kind of knocked some sense into me. He's like, okay, this might not be a playoff team. And I'm thinking, okay, you know what? With that in mind, watching the first couple games out of the All-Star break, they look bad. And I mean, they just look not good at all. Lifeless, yeah. Non-competitive, asleep. And then Billy Donovan makes the lineup change, and all of a sudden, they're a whole new team. Now, granted, they were against a really short-handed Raptors team and the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are not a playoff team. So context is key. That was the theme of my episode this week. So then they faced the Spurs last night, looked really good for three quarters, and then the fourth quarter, they just they blew it. I mean, they've got to learn how to close games. And I know they're a young team. We talked about this last time. They're a very young team. They're going to have games like this. If you're ninth in the East, you can't be having games like this right now in the second half. In the first half, okay, yeah, you've got time. You'd have the all-star break. You're in the second half. The trade deadline is a week away. Like now, Arturo's Karnaschobis and Mark Eversley have a lot of questions to ask, and fans want answers because they haven't given any indication as to what they're going to do at the deadline. Not one. And it seemed like last night, it was almost like IHSA hoops, man. They couldn't get the ball past half court at times. I mean, that was, it was it was painful to watch. And obviously, San Antonio Spurs, you know, Greg Popovich, they don't have the most talents on that roster anymore, but they are obviously a professional unit that knows how to get things done. So let me ask you this, this question. In your opinion right now, as we've seen countless times, Bulls fans have watched over and over again. They got that 18-point, that 20-point lead. They did it the other night where they were able to sit Zach in that fourth quarter. Didn't really have to, you know, didn't have to do a whole lot. Help that he dropped 40. Yeah, it did help that he dropped 40. <laughs> he only missed like four shots. Yeah, 40 on yeah. 20 shots or something like that, which is pretty incredible. In your opinion, you know, what is it? Is it more, would you lean closer to how poor we are defensively or how inexperienced and youthful we are in terms of how we blow these leads and how every single fourth quarter, you know, you got to watch with one eye open? I think it's a little bit of both. I think the defense is still shaky. And that, I mean, that's just because the last two years, they didn't have a defensive identity of any kind. So that's going to, that's not going to help at all with a young team, but I think the youth and inexperience is huge. I mean, that's why Tomas Sadoransky and Thaddeus Young in the starting lineup. I'm a huge fan of that because those are experienced guys. They came out and you had Wendell Carter, you had Kobe white, 
you had Denzel Valentine. I mean, all the respect to Denzel, I know he's considered a quote-unquote veteran, but he's still a younger guy, and I'm still not the biggest Denzel fan. Like, his brother coaches at Loyola when I was there, covered them. I got to know Drew. I met Denzel a couple times. He's a great guy. Time to move on. Like, he, some of the shots yesterday, did you see the one where he, he, he short-rimmed a three, got it yeah. back, and then shot it again and short-rimmed and, it again? Yeah, yeah it, it was laughable. Brutal. But, like, he's not – I wouldn't consider him a veteran presence necessarily. So you have a young bench, and the bench lost them that game against San Antonio. I mean, the starters did their job, which is weird to say because usually we're talking about the starters not doing their job. But the starters did their job in the inexperienced bench and coupled that with the defense. And, again, it's Greg Popovich. I mean, he, he was probably pretty pissed off with how they played in that first quarter, how the Spurs played. Then they came out and had the best fourth quarter. So that's, that's pop for you. And that's not a knock against Billy Donovan. I want to be clear. I, Billy Donovan's a great coach. He was great at Florida. He was great in Oklahoma City. I trust Billy Donovan with this team. He just needs more pieces to work with. And that's where I think the deadline's going to be interesting. I think they're going to be a mix of buyers and sellers. I have no insight into that. I'm just guessing. That's all we can do with a new front office. All we can do is guess. I think there'll be a mix of buyers and sellers at the deadline. Maybe make a push for the draft, depending on what happens during March Madness, if any prospects come up that they like. Chicago Bulls right now, 18 and 21, one game out of the eighth seed right behind the New York Knicks. And and you're right, you know, if they do make any moves, I don't see anything seismic, right? It would have to be a nip tuck here, maybe bring in a guy, as you mentioned, you know, the bench lost them that game last night. They could use a little bit more depth right now. Garrett Temple is kind of faded to the background just a touch. They're trying to get all hurt. Well, I know, but even like right before that too, as well, like yeah, they were kind of no, pulling I, back on his minutes because they knew that they were trying to get Otto Porter back involved into the mix as still well. Not a big Otto Porter fan. That's no. just me. I mean, I didn't like the trade when it happened. I mean, the guy, he, he's injury prone. I, I'm just not a big fan. He didn't look all that impressive last night. I expected more. Like, I mean, you're paying the guy $28 million a year when he had that, what was that a breakaway layup he had and he just flat out missed it. I turned my parents. I'm like, that's $28 million. That's the $28 million man running by everyone. Yeah. Take a he did, picture. He did, he did the same thing I do on layups. He just flat out missed it. With this new lineup, I, I do want to ask you, moving forward right now, is this, I know we're only about, what, three games into the new look lineup. Obviously a wake-up call for guys like Wendell Carter, guys like Kobe White. Is this something that you think is going to stick around, or is this maybe a little bit more? of like I, I do like Thad Young in the starting five. I guess my question probably revolves around, is Kobe White, is Kobe White going to be coming off the bench? Sandoransky going to be a starting five moving forward? Or is this more of a maybe a baseball manager kind of tinkering with the lineup, trying to take some of the heat and pressure off of Kobe White by hitting him down in the order, if you know what I'm saying, maybe trying to rebuild his confidence and then reintroduce him to that starting five? See, it tastes like vinegar. But one of the things I agree with Jim Boylan on was having Kobe White come off the bench. I know everybody was calling for him to start. He looked good off the bench. I get that. But there are guys who just need to see the game unfold before jumping into the action. And I think Kobe White is one of them. I still don't think he's a true point guard. I know the counter argument is, oh, he should be a junior in college right now. He's still finding his place in the game. Give him time. Maybe he can develop. If you're going to be in win now mode, and I don't know if the Bulls are. And when I say win now, I don't mean compete for a championship. I mean compete for a playoff spot. Like, if you're going to be in playoff mode, Kobe White can't be your point guard. I think I like Tomas Sadoransky at the point. I want to say he had, what, eight assists last night, seven assists, something like that against San Antonio. He's a great facilitator, and I think he's a big reason that the starting lineup had more stability, especially the last few games. So I like Kobe White off the bench. I think I'm in the minority when I say that, but, I mean, I think him coming off the bench, leading the bench mob, I think it's a good fit for him. 
I kind of like it. Uh, I, I like this move by Billy Donovan. There's one school of thought that says Kobe White's 20 years old. We got to play him every single minute of every single game and try and make as many mistakes as possible. But maybe instead of, as you mentioned, win now mode, what if we are in results mode now where you do have to produce results or your time is going to be cut in? Is that fair to say in terms of what Kobe White's development stage is at right now? I mean, you could say that putting up the results, like you said, I mean, he's streaky. He's been streaky since the end of the league last year. That's going to happen. But when I say streaky, I want to say he's had a handful of games where he's had single-digit points, maybe like five or six points, and then he'll go off for 25. Like He is very streaky. Very, It's typical for a young player. You can't rely on that in the starting lineup if you want to be a playoff team. Now, I can't tell if this team's a playoff team or not with how they're like competing for it. The roster, they should be eight-seed in the East level team. I mean, they're – that's the talent level on the roster. Because I keep saying, oh, they're a playoff team. I'm talking backing into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. I keep throwing that disclaimer out there. We're not talking about the Milwaukee Bucks here. We're talking about literally the last playoff spot in the East. But at the same time, they're not a complete roster yet, which is why I could see, okay, maybe make a move at the trade deadline. Maybe see how the season goes. Maybe play for the draft. And this draft, I talked about this on my show this week. Outside of Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State, who would stand out in this draft? Maybe Jalen Suggs at Gonzaga. I brought up Io DeSumo out of Illinois. I mean, he'd be a late first round pick, and I'm biased. I'm from the I'm from the area. I've watched I was Illinois listening to you though. I, I was I was loving what you were selling though. I was intrigued. You got me going though. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've watched Io play all year. He's a he's a closer. He's not your pass first point guard, but he's their point guard for the Fighting Illini, who are the number one seed, and I think honestly the number three seed in the entire tournament. They're facing my, they might face my Loyola Ramblers on Sunday. That's going to be interesting. Cause I work at a bar with a bunch of Illinois fans. That could be fun. Oh, game on. Oh, absolutely. Game on the trash talking's already started, <laughs> but no, I like the idea of Io to in a bulls uniform. And I know NBC sports, Chicago had the Photoshop of Io in the bulls uniform and all that. I kind of like the fit and it would be the type of play where you could make the playoffs and still get him. Cause no offense to him. He's not a lottery pick unless he, really opens eyes in the NCAA tournament. He's not a lottery pick. Every mock draft I'm seeing now, mock drafts, like I said on my episode, they mean nothing right now because we don't know the draft order, but they give an idea of like where the players will fall. Everything I'm seeing has IO falling late first round, mid to late first round. I think he'd be the perfect pick to take it that at that spot. And you can get there by making the playoffs or missing the playoffs. Well, and you mentioned backing into the playoffs. I mean, the back half of this East right now is just sandwich packed right now. I think they're only two games behind the five seed and they're in the ninth seed right now. So still a lot of games to play. We'll kind of see what happens, but a lot of different stuff can change a little bit as we're moving forward. And it's funny. I don't know if you're watching a lot of Blackhawks this season, but the Blackhawks and the Bulls, they almost feel like the exact same team to me. Young team kind of pieces playing together for the very first time kind of showing you something entertaining, watchable, but they've got that thing where the Blackhawks will go up by two goals. They'll go up three to one and boom, they'll give up two goals like right off the bat in like a four minute span to end a period. It's the Chicago Bulls, the exact same. They'll maybe go up by 11, 12 points. You turn on the, on the fourth quarter and all of a sudden they were down by 11 to San Antonio. It's, it's a Jekyll and Hyde thing and it's, it's watchable. It's entertaining, but it has been a bit of a roller coaster. Speaking of roller coasters, how should Bulls fans feel about Wendell Carter Jr. right now? I don't know how I feel about Wendell Carter Jr. right now because he came out that injury really strong, really aggressive. I was really happy with what I was seeing. And then he gets benched because he's not aggressive after the all-star break. So I really, I really don't know what to think of Wendell right now. I mean, he's 6'10", so he's a big man, but I think he's a defensive liability. 
first off, like, especially with how he's been playing, like he doesn't match up well, especially against guys with teams with seven footers. They're just going to eat against Wendell. I mean, he, he can't match up with the seven footers. I know it's only like two, three inches, but still he's not big. Like he's tall, but he's not, he's not big. You know, he hasn't filled out quite the way I thought that he would like he had a thicker frame to him coming into the NBA. Yeah. Like I, I expect him to fill out a little bit and he hasn't. So I, I don't know what to think of Wendell. I mean, maybe he could be good off the bench. I mean, he could start. I know when he was drafted, they weren't thinking starter material, but naturally Garpax and Jim Boylan decide, Oh, we're just going to start him every game since he's been drafted. Cause the first time he came off the bench was the other day when Billy Donovan made this lineup change. Like he strikes me as a good bench guy. And so far he's looked good off the bench. But I, I, I don't know. I think he's a light switch. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to. I wrap my head around sometimes Laurie Markkinen too as well. I've been on the. I've been on the side of the fence of maybe Laurie Markkinen's actually on a really good playoff team. Maybe he is that sixth, seventh, eighth guy off the bench, the same way that Kobe White is. And a lot of people think all of a sudden that that means that they're busts. I don't know. I find them to be. I, I'm. I think it's a little bit more complimentary. Is those are valuable pieces. It just depends on what role they have on a particular team and and Bulls fans have to remember that we're trying to get to the point where we're an elite team in the NBA again. I know we want all these guys to be there when it happens, but it doesn't always work out like that. Some of these guys might turn into valuable rotation role players. And in Wendell Carter's case, he's coming up on RFA pretty soon. Mm -hmm. We are going to have to make a decision on him and it just doesn't seem like he's really uh, solidifying himself and maybe the Bulls future plans. Yeah. That's a wait and see type of deal. I mean, Maybe he could be there because that's that's the thing with this team. I, I credit Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley a lot for using this as an evaluation year. AK's even said, I know it's, it's what do you, how, what would you call it? Executive speak instead of coach speak, whatever you want to call it. He doesn't view players as trade commodities, which, okay, he has to say that. But I think he's sincere. Like, he doesn't see these guys as, okay, we can flip Wendell to whoever for, you know, this amount of draft picks or this player. Like, maybe with the player development staff in place now, Maybe Wendell could develop down the road, but right now I, I don't see it. And that's why with the trade deadline being one week away and the spot the bulls are in, who knows what direction they're going to go. And it's also fair to, to question this concept of, as you're bringing up right now, which is a great point of, of Billy Donovan's now in house right now, their program, Eversley, Karnasovas, every, everyone's got their own program going. And it's about, I think for the first time ever, these players are now attempting to buy into that. So when we're talking about Kobe white, trying to be a point guard this season. It's really him trying to take some of the things that they're trying to impart upon him and see if he can do it. He's been a little overwhelmed, has not been consistent, so they're kind of pulling back from that a little bit. But it seems like Kobe White, at the very least, is buying in. Wendell Carter, same story. I th- I would like to think that he's buying in. We're just not maybe seeing the results right now. And it's growing pains that, you know, we maybe we'll just have to kind of wait and see, and we probably won't get an answer for it by the end of the season of who these players are really going to be in the long run. Well, and Wendell has confidence issues too. That's not a knock. I mean, that's nothing against him. He just doesn't have the confidence. And maybe Billy Donovan and like Maurice Cheeks and the coaching staff can build that confidence. And maybe him coming off the bench is a spark that'll get him more confident when he gets into games. Because we've heard it in the press conferences. He keeps saying, I didn't play well enough. Like, I got got to be better. Like, I like the honesty. Don't get me wrong. But there's also a confidence factor in there where you don't really hear him like, Oh no, I knew I was going to have a good game. Like you don't hear that confidence side. And again, I I don't, this is not a knock. Like it happens. There are players who just aren't confident and that's okay. That's the coaching staff's job to get, to help 
get that confidence. That belief out. system. Yeah. Like, yeah. Make it help him believe in himself. And you know, he, he has a good game. Like, okay, maybe this is a sign of things to come. And then he turns around and has a bad game. And you know, you start worrying about him a little bit. So it, there's a lot of wait and see with Wendell Carter. It's not what you want to hear from a number seven overall pick, but that's just where we're at. And you hear that from a lot of professional athletes in general, you know, baseball players, basketball players, the concept of bringing it every night, that consistency of bringing it every night. Sometimes it's the hardest thing to learn in the NBA. You can have all the talent in the world, but you got to show up in every single game on the schedule. Let's take a quick break and have a brief moment to talk about our new sponsor, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to cop the best pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of what did I say? authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return process and for the sneaker sellers out there ebay has eliminated selling fees and sneakers over 100 making it free to sell or flip your collection so go to ebay.com sneakers today ebay the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection now back to the pod speaking of the schedule i'm just going to rattle off the next handful of games heading into april for this bulls team they play the, uh, in denver against the nuggets they travel to detroit to play the pistons they're home for the jazz home for the Cavaliers, travel to San Antonio for the Bulls, uh, travel to Golden State to play the Warriors, and then travel to Phoenix to play the Suns. In your opinion, if you can kind of handicap this schedule coming up, this looks a little tough for me. Do you think they could play 500 ball? They're, they've been a coin flip all season, it feels like, depending on who they play. What do you, how do you handicap this next schedule? If they can play 500 ball against these teams, that's going to be good. I keep saying this team is not going to win the East. This is a bottom-tier playoff team in the Eastern conference. So going up against teams like, like Phoenix in particular is the one that stands out to me. I don't expect them to win against Devin Booker and especially like Deandre Ayton. <laughs> Wendell Carter versus Deandre Ayton is a mismatch made in heaven. Are you saying it's going to be a problem? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I'd say a little bit of a problem because that is, I mean, Phoenix fans should be expecting Deandre to just eat when he goes up against Wendell Carter. Cause that's, I mean, he's a rebounding machine to begin with but especially against a guy like Wendell Carter Jr. Absolutely. And Devin Booker, I mean, that guy's just unbelievable. He should have been in the, he should have been an all-star instead of an injury replacement. Like he's gotten snubbed again. So that's the game that sticks out to me as the game the Bulls are going to have the most trouble with. Obviously going up against Jokic and the Nuggets and you've got the Jazz, you've got the Warriors. It's not going to be easy. I don't expect them to do any better than 500 just because again, they're a young, inexperienced team. They're going to have to take their lumps against some of these really good teams. And it's a shame, too. They they keep creeping closer to 500. Yeah. And that loss, like, last night, could have made, it could have made them 19 and 20 if they had held on, and they just keep getting there, and then they keep, take a couple steps back. It might not be in the cards this season, but, yeah, I'm hoping that they can kind of play tough over this next week and, you know, just see where they are. And, and again, this is a fluid situation with the Chicago Bulls. You know, who knows where they're going to end up. They're probably going to be right, as you mentioned, right on that edge of hopefully in that play-in tournament or in that eight seed. Maybe we get some playoff basketball from the Bulls. Long way to go, though. Still, before we get you out of here, Nick, I'm um, looking through my notes right now. Let's see. Is there anything else important going on in Chicago sports right now? I'm looking. Oh, oh, Andy hey, Loyola's playing oh. in, the, in the NCAA tournament. We'll talk Ramblers that's in the NCAA a, yeah, tournament. Nothing else matters. That's Sister Jean's going talk. to Indianapolis. That, it's dominating the news this week. You know, there, there's nothing else going on not involving a particular quarterback with the Bears. 
Oh man, nothing oh, to man. do with a a, a redheaded gentleman who apparently has a rifle for an arm uh, coming to Chicago right now. And also breaking news. I don't know if you've seen this as well. Mitchell Trubisky has signed a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills. Hey, um, good for Mitch, man. I mean, he goes yeah. to a good situation in Buffalo. He gets to back up Josh Allen. You know, I'm, I'm happy for him. It gets, he wasn't going to win in Chicago. And when I say he wasn't going to win, I'm not talking games. I'm not, I'm talking about the fan base that booed him even after he was drafted. It's good change of scenery for him. I wish him all the best. And I mean, he's a good dude too. That's the big thing. Like you got fans that are like, Oh, I want to hate him. I want to hate him, but he's such a good guy. That's who he is. He is a genuine dude. And I wish him all the best in Buffalo. No, no ill will. No, nothing. Yeah. I've said it a bunch of times. He works super hard. He's a really good dude. I just, I just don't think that he's a quality above average starter in the NFL. Can he start games for a team? Yes. Can he win Probably. games for a team? Yes. But against those upper echelon teams, and obviously with the trust factor going on with Nagy, he just wasn't going to succeed in Chicago. It just was never going to happen. Yeah, and that's that's why, like, a, a situation in Buffalo, be behind Josh Allen, get into a good situation, and I, I, I think it's a good fit. It, I didn't really expect it. I didn't expect him to go to Buffalo, but, you know, good for him, though. Like I said, I, I wish him all the best. If he wasn't such a good dude, I probably wouldn't be saying this, but it, that is just a really Good guy. It's like a great situation for him. It's a niche it market, right? Like the Bills Mafia is a fan base that that loves yeah. its Buffalo Bills so much. And if he comes in and he plays one game or one half and wins them a football game, he will be cheered and applaud, uh, applauded across you know the, the Buffalo Bills Mafia nation. And in general, just in the national sense, the eyes, the focus isn't really going to be on him. He can just kind of go there and uh, not disappear, but you kind of get what I'm saying, like kind of go under the radar a little bit and maybe see where his career resurfaces in a year or two oh i agree but you know i would i would rather still have in chicago instead of you know andy dalton i mean that was the first thing i thought of when i saw that I'm like you should have just kept trubisky well so my question for you is with this is andy dalton's now in the chicago bears on a one-year 10 million dollar deal if we can run the clock back a little bit just before the super bowl you know there's a lot of rumors about carson wentz to the chicago bears i, do I did remember. not want carson wentz right so not at all. You, but uh, standing here today are do you have any regrets over that would you have preferred carson wentz over Andy Dalton, or you would actually take the the medicine, the spoonful of medicine that is Andy Dalton for a year over the Carson Wentz deal. You got a back door I can run out of. <laughs> one of those guys. I mean, you got you got Wentz. Had, I mean, the, if he didn't have such a bad year in Philly this year, I'd say okay. You know what? He had an MVP caliber year before he got hurt. No, I wanted nothing to do with Carson Wentz. I didn't expect Andy Dalton at all until the last week. Like he was the last name on my radar in the last week. And I, I mean, I wouldn't want either one of those guys, to be honest with you. If I could pick seed out of the above, I would, because neither one of those guys would do the job there. Neither one's an upgrade from what you had before. That's the biggest thing. If this was a slight upgrade from Mitch Trubisky, this would be a completely different conversation. I wouldn't be, you know, wanting to throw my phone against the wall. It'd be, it'd be a different situation, but this would, this is maybe same level, maybe even a downgrade from Mitch Trubisky. And I think that's why bears Twitter is reacting the way it is. There is no, you can't engender hope and enthusiasm and excitement with Andy Dalton. At the very least with Mitch Trubisky, you can have that debate of the will he, won't he, and that, that tantalizing hope of if he ever put it together and figured out how to read a second progression and complete a pass 25 yards, that he could be something. I mean, that was he really- He almost did that against New Orleans and, and that was dropped the ball. I know, I know, <laughs> I, mean, I know. He, he, showed, he showed signs of it at the end of this year that and he was it's, really starting to put it together. Nagy was trusting him to, to run and- throw on his throw use his legs and throw on the run like I thought he was trusting him more and it just was too little too late and I think Andy Dalton Nagy talked about wanting an athletic quarterback who can think on his feet and be a good leader 
I don't know how good a leader Andy Dalton is, but he doesn't think on his feet very well, and he's not that athletic. So what are we doing here? And he has a a concussion history that I would uh, no one's really talking about right now. But if you're a Chicago Bears fan, I would prepare yourself for that because it's very real and it's a serious thing for him now. He's at the point now where he's had so many, where the next one could be it for him, and I and I worry yeah. about that too as well. I also just want to point out that this guy backed up Dak freaking Prescott. This was Dak Prescott's backup. I'm not a Dak fan. I never really have been. I think he's a stat patter. This guy backed up Dak Prescott, and now he's starting for the Bears. Like uh, all this Russell Wilson talk had me excited, and I saw I forget I forget where I saw this. I think it I think it was someone shared it on Facebook or something. Going after Russell Wilson and settling for Andy Dalton was like saying you're taking your kids to Hawaii for a vacation, but just go to the local state park. <laughs> That's what it is. It's so underwhelming. Like I sold myself. I'm like, okay, they're going to get Russell Wilson. They made it. I thought the offer was good. I thought it would have been worth it because the reports are out there. Three first round picks, a third round pick. And, I heard Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks were maybe involved as well. Like they went, I think that's worth it. I think it's worth it. it. So it's not for lack of effort, but then you settle for Andy Dalton, like Marcus Mariota. The reports are out there that he's probably going to be cut by the Raiders. Why not go after Marcus Mariota and get him cheaper than Andy Dalton? Why jump for Andy Dalton now? I'd rather have Marcus Mariota. Well, uh, to that point, I will just tell you that I would not be surprised that Nick Foles is not on this team after or before the NFL draft. Okay, that's Mark, fine. They, someone Marcus, can have him. <laughs> and Mark, and I'm saying if Marcus Mariota becomes a free agent, I could see an also scenario where Mar- Mariota and Dalton are on the same roster at the same time. Or door number B is get ready, buddy, because we're doing it again. We're trading up in the draft for a quarterback. Get ready, everybody. As long as it's, if it's Mac Jones, I'm fine with that. I'm on the Mac Jones train. If, it's, if it was a guy like Kyle Trask, and I, I brought this up on Sunday on my live show, if you were going to go draft up, tr- draft up, if you were going to trade up in the draft and take a quarterback, what you should have done was sign Alex Smith because Alex Smith, you saw what he did with Patrick Mahomes. He can get the job done on the field. It might not be pro bowl caliber. He'll get the job done pretty well, but he's also a good teacher and can mentor a guy like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask or one of those guys and be here for one year, leave, let the young guy take over as starter and go that route. You saw how well it worked in Kansas City. It's the same offense as Kansas City, too. That was my plan, and now it would have been tough for Ryan Pace to do because he's basically going into a winner-go-home winner year. So it would have been tough for him to, like, okay, we're going to establish this development, and I might not even be here for the rest of the development. But that would have been the smart thing to do if you were going to go this route. Andy Dalton doesn't give you anything. Nick Foles is a Superman type. He can come off the bench and save the day. You don't want a young guy in the draft to be behind those two guys. And I get it. if Nick Foles is gone, okay, cool. He didn't do much for me this year. But if you can bring in a young quarterback like that, what's he going to learn from Andy Dalton? I genuinely want to know. The ways of the Cincinnati ginger snake. Uh, the Bengals way of playing football after all it, of these it's years. It's the old thing from, oh, when was that? Was that like the 68 United Nations? I'll wait for hell to freeze over until I get my answer. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I want to know what a young quarterback can learn from Andy Dalton. I'm serious. <laughs> and, and and you know what? And this is this is the worst part about it. We had Jay Cutler on our team. Uh-huh. We didn't want to do Jay Cutler anymore. So we got rid of him. And we signed Mike Glennon. And we drafted Mitch Trubisky. This is Mike Glennon 2.0. This is exactly what this is. It's it's, it's the it's, same thing. I mean, it's Jay Cutler to me is, is really what it is. We're back with Jay oh, Cutler. Jay Cutler was better. Jay Cutler was better than Andy Dalton. Well, that's, that's tough for me, though, man. I don't know. I mean, 
if you look it up, I mean, Andy Dalton had a 4,000 yard passing season. He had 30 touchdowns. He went to three pro bowls. He went to the playoffs think, five times. I mean, I we, we make fun of him. Ceiling. Oh yeah, for sure. Talent wise. I'm saying yeah. when, when you put it on the back of the football card, at the end of the day, they're, they're really not that different. And, uh, and it's potential, potential unrealized. I mean, here's where we are though. We're arguing over Jay Cutler versus Andy Dalton. And that's, that's the, point. the point. We're right back where we were you know, six, seven, eight years ago. And if they draft the new quarterback, we're going to be in the same spot that we were in 2017 where it was, Hey, let's just get through this year. Cause this kid's coming. Trust us. Everything's going to be fine. I should have worn my Washington football team shirt. for this interview. <laughs> yeah, I, I have one. I should have just worn it. Like, you know, I was going to wear it to work the other night. It was in the laundry pile. I, I should just wear that everywhere. Like I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon. I don't care. <laughs> Are you ready for some football? <laughs> not in Chicago. I'm not. <laughs> uh, final question, Nick. Um, I'm not a big college hoops guy, but I get involved in March Madness just like everyone else. I love getting my tournament, my brackets together. Just give us a quick breakdown. Who do you think? Is it going to be Zags all the way? Do you got a, maybe a Cinderella sleeper, maybe name the Loyola Ramblers? Who do you like uh, winning the title this year? Hey, don't sleep on Sister Jean. Trust me. I went to, I was, I was, I covered that final four run for the Loyola Phoenix. I got, that was don't, one of the funnest on Sister Jean. every single game, right? Every single oh, game yeah. was an incredible nail biting down to the wire. I mean, they were hitting last second shots left and right. What a great run by them. Oh man. I wish we had more time. I have so, I have so many stories because that was so fun being there with them, but I could see Loyola making run. I have them beating Illinois in my bracket in the round of 32. I think oh. Illinois is beatable. That's my hot take. Maybe Loyola could beat Illinois. Sister Jean's got them beating them too. But our brackets disagree this time around. Well, I had Michigan winning it all in my bracket, actually. I think I think Gonzaga in March is different than Gonzaga in the regular season. I don't think they're going to win the title. If there's a year, they're going to. It's this year, but I don't think they're going to. I actually have Michigan, Ohio State in my national championship, and I have Michigan winning. Wow. Well, take that. Take that right to the booth at betonline.ag right now. You heard it first right here with Nick Schultz. Yeah, it's hard. They're undefeated, right? It's hard to have an undefeated season in college basketball all the way through and win the title. You know, I think what was it? The Kentucky team was the last team. that. Yeah, Wichita State, too. Yeah, and Wichita State. Oh, great call. Good call on that one. But yeah, wow. Ohio State, Michigan, keeping it in the Midwest for hopefully maybe our national title game. Nick Schultz with Believe in Bulls, man. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. It's great to see you again. I love your knowledge. I love your perspectives. Thanks so much for coming. Joey, always a pleasure, man. Call me anytime. You got it, dude. Maybe bring you back with Sweet 16 and we'll do some Loyola Rambler stories. How does that sound? Let's do it. I'm all for it. Let's do it. All right, great. This is Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay and BetOnline.ag. Go to betonline.ag for that March Madness tournament. They got a 100K contest going on right now and 50% off your first welcome bonus. Make sure you check that out. Thank you for checking out this pod. We're done for the week, but we're back with a lot more coming up next week. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Have a great weekend. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.